This is The Doctor Is In, your bi-weekly podcast that discusses all things technical and not so technical. The Doctor Is In podcast is produced by ARRL, the National Association for Amateur Radio, and sponsored by DX Engineering, helping you shrink the globe. See their website at www.dxengineering.com. And now, here's your host, QST editor Steve Ford, WB8IMY, and the doctor himself, Joel Hallis, W1ZR. Welcome to The Doctor Is In. I'm Steve Ford, WB8IMY. And I'm Joel Hallis, W1ZR. It seems like I'm cursed with having to start these things with awful puns, and I really shouldn't do that, but can't help myself. Let me be straight with you, Joel. Oh. About, oh, horizontally straight. Oh, somebody's going to throw a shoe at me here in a moment, but it... Maybe even me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm within range. <laughs> well, you know, when I was way back in the old days, Joel... When I was a novice, and I was looking at QST at the time, I was looking at the handbook, and I would always see dipole antennas depicted as these nice, straight, horizontal wires. And it drove me nuts, because at the time, I had no way where I was living to be able to hang a dipole that was perfectly straight. And I thought there was something magical about it, that they just had to be perfectly horizontal or they wouldn't function properly. And it took me, well, a few years to finally learn that that wasn't true, is it? No, it's not. You know, actually, antennas will operate in almost any position or orientation. It's just that the patterns that are shown in those articles in the magazines and books tend to be ones that go along with the horizontal antenna. So if you have the antenna oriented differently, tilted in one direction or another or whatever, the pattern will change. And the uh, patterns are also often ideal patterns, particularly in the uh, earlier publications when the antenna modeling software was not as skated and couldn't take into account ground uh, reflection properties and so forth. So oftentimes the, the patterns would be over a um, perfectly conducting earth. You know, it's kind of like what you have over seawater, but most of us don't operate. I don't have seawater. No, I don't often. I do sometimes <laughs> when I'm operating from the boat. But So the um, pattern will be different, not necessarily better or worse, but different than the one that you see. And, and a horizontal antenna can be modified in a number of ways to fit a particular set of circumstances. Typically, it's a question of where the supports are. And, you know, very few people are fortunate enough to have the three supports in a straight line at the same height that would allow a dipole to be supported at the ends and at the middle, which would get you about as close as you can get to a horizontal dipole. I've never had that in my life. Me neither. <laughs> nope. <laughs> because if you have three natural supports like trees, the likelihood of them being, I guess if you lived in an apple orchard, maybe, but then they'd be pretty low <laughs> anyway. But um, they, they, uh, my antennas tend to be supported on the ends and hanging from the middle, which makes kind of a V-shape which is kind of opposite of an inverted V, which is another thing that people do with, they have a single support. They're very popular to do that. It works quite well. It just acts as if it were a little bit lower than a horizontal dipole at the same height because much of the dipole is lower. But um, a tilted antenna, my, my antenna is somewhat tilted. I have one end that's up, I don't know, 80 feet or something, and the other end is up 60 feet. And uh, that tilt actually provides, like the, the horizontal antenna would provide horizontally polarized radiation perpendicular to the antenna, which is sort of the typical dipole pattern. But 
with it tilted, you get a vertical component because part of the antenna is reflects a vertical change in dimension as it goes from one end to the other. And that results in vertically polarized a vertically polarized signal that goes along the line of the antenna. So if you were to look at the book and compare it to a, or think you were having a horizontal antenna, you'd think your radiation were going perpendicular to the antenna. But actually, the way mine works, it provides, in addition to a good signal towards Europe, which is the horizontal polarized mode, it also provides a vertically polarized polarized signal, not quite as strong, towards Australia, which is (laughs) somewhat handy to have. Yes. Anyway, modeling the antenna is the only way I know to really find out what is going to happen. And of course, when you model an antenna, you kind of have to guess at what the ground conditions are, and that has a big effect on it, too. Oh, absolutely, yes. Unless you know, I guess you can go to your town engineer and say you have information on the ground connectivity and dielectric constant of Earth and my neighborhood. Mine would say, huh? Yeah, but uh, some might. I mean, you might have that information. There's some general tables and and so forth in the handbook and the antenna book, I think, that uh, give you some generalized information depending on what region of the country you're in, which you can use, which would probably be better than just using the average ground that I tend to use for my QST articles. But anyway, the, the extreme of that sloping dipole is one that's that's mounted, it's actually secured at one end and goes straight down towards the ground, not necessarily all the way to the ground and not completely vertical, but partway down. And that is another antenna that has properties of both horizontal and vertical mm-hmm. antennas, but it emphasizes the vertical portion. And of course, the vertical, an HF, a horizontal antenna, because of the nature of the ground reflection, has about a 1S unit or 6 dB enhancement due to the ground reflection at the angle at which it has the best vertical takeoff angle. And that gives you an advantage over a vertical generally. But of course, if the antenna is low, then that angle is not that helpful and it doesn't have that advantage. So that's why you find antennas on the lower frequency bands tend to need higher to get uh, low angle radiation. And therefore, they work tend to work better verticals with um, that don't count on that ground reflection, but count on just uh, being perpendicular to the dipole. And they, they lose some along the ground, but typically a vertical for 160 or 80 meters, sometimes 40 meters, depending on the height, will have better low angle radiation performance than a low horizontal antenna. So a horizontal antenna is nice in many respects. And if you have it high enough, like typically at least a half wavelength high, it'll give you some good low angle long distance communication. But if you can't have it high, oftentimes a vertical antenna will be a um, much better uh, solution. Now, what about my antenna, Joel? Speaking of perfectly horizontal antennas or antennas that aren't perfectly horizontal, I have a 102-foot wire dipole antenna that's fed with a windowed ladder line. One leg of my dipole is pretty pretty horizontal, but the other one, just because of the restrictions of my piece of property, is not. In fact, it slopes downward at about a 45 degree angle and ends at a wood privacy fence that's about seven feet off the ground. So talk about an antenna not being at all horizontal. Mine is one of those. Well, it's uh, it is partly horizontal and partly towards vertical, so you get yes. some of each. So you'll you'll probably find downward sloping side will have vertically polarized signal going out along that line, and the uh, horizontal component of that plus the horizontal component of the horizontal section will tend to be perpendicular and on the half wave or lower frequency bands. And the higher frequency bands, the patterns get much more complex, but still the same general idea: the one that's sloping downward will have a, a significant vertical component. Which which can be very helpful, as in my case. Yes. 
The antenna actually seems to work pretty well. Yeah, there's no reason it shouldn't. That's a handy length. That's the G5 RV length, essentially. And I've used that, too. I, I started with a G5 RV and got tired of the transmission line loss, so I just ran window line all the way back to the tuner, and I found I could operate on all bands instead of some bands. But, uh, yeah, there you go. Had much less loss than even good. I had a 100-feet transmission line, which made a significant amount of a difference. But even going to good coax still had 4 or 5 dB of loss on some bands that I was not willing to tolerate. And so going with window line, I had much less loss and uh, was much more flexible antenna. So. Certainly. Well, Joel, let's hear from DX Engineering for a bit, and we will come back with a question. Okay. Ever talk to a salesperson who didn't know the difference between a rotator and a rotary phone? or a Yagi and a yo-yo, or a Ballon and a ballerina. You'll never have that problem with DX Engineering. When you call us, you'll talk directly with knowledgeable amateur radio experts, people who speak your language. When you contact DX Engineering, you're dealing with operators who are as passionate about the hobby as you are. This means better service, expert technical advice, and a commitment to your complete satisfaction, even long after your purchase has been made. Whether you're newly licensed or a long-time operator, you'll always find a friendly ham who understands exactly what you need on the other end of the line. Plus, you'll find a huge selection of amateur radio equipment, get the fastest shipping in the ham universe, and shipping is free on most orders over $99. Let's talk about your station. Visit us at dxengineering.com. That's dxengineering.com. And we're back. And Joel, I have a question from John, KJ7CB, and he's asking, some antenna makers advertise vertical antennas with no radials required. How good are they compared to traditional one-quarter wave monopoles with radials? Now, this is a this is a loaded question, <laughs> yeah, unintentionally so, but... Yeah. No, well, that, no pun intended. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a good, it is a good question and uh, comes up fairly frequently. I mean, the traditional vertical monopole is a quarter wavelength long and includes radials either elevated or on the ground or, or buried. And essentially, the radials act like the other half of, the, of a half wave antenna. So you have a quarter wave that's the monopole and the other quarter wave is the radials, essentially. Verticals without radials are made as monopoles that are an electrical half wavelength long. And... You know, that's a lot like a vertical center-fed half-wave dipole. It doesn't need any radials. It's just a dipole on its side. Yeah, kind of standing on end. Standing yes. on end. It, the, the bottom should not be on the ground, but a little above the ground at least. And so it doesn't need radials. And in fact, you could say the lower half of the vertical dipole acts like a radial straightened out in a way. Uh, and it works very well. Now, the usual commercial no radial vertical antenna adds the complication that most of them are, are uh, multi-band, which requires a little more... Uh, design engineering, and they are not fed from the center, but from the bottom. And that adds the require, two requirements, really. It requires a, some kind of matching network that will match the high impedance at the bottom of the antenna to 50 ohms on all the operating bands. In addition, there has to be something to connect the shield of the coax to, which is generally called a counterpoise. And while it looks a lot like radials, they are typically much shorter, typically about four feet long, whereas the radials would be a typically a quarter wave long if they were elevated and uh, on the ground. It doesn't really matter on the ground with the radio. But if all works as planned, an electrical half wave antenna should work at least as well as a quarter wave vertical with radial. But as usual, the devil is in the details. Yes. The design is more complex. There are more parts that can fail. In addition, the design is not trivial. So if well designed, well engineered, and well constructed and adjusted, they can be a great performer compared to other kinds 
kinds of vertical monopoles and take up less on-the-ground footprint, which is handy in some situations. So in other words, anything can radiate if it's properly matched. Right. Yeah, and the problem really is comes down to um, you've got a lot of connections that are being made, sometimes fancy traps and stubs and things that are in the half-wave monopole, and corrosion and other kinds of problems can cause uh, failures that you typically wouldn't have in a quarter wave monopole that's straightforward and fed right from the bottom. So that's that's an issue and it depends largely on the quality of manufacture and the care of assembly and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, if it's working well, it works can work very well. If it's not working well, it doesn't work at all. <laughs> no. Now, I think John may also be referring if he's reading through the advertising section of QST, there are at least two come to mind. I won't call out the manufacturers by name, but they are vertical antennas that have no radials whatsoever. And we know from our product review testing, not that they're trying to hide anything, but they're using a resistive element. There is actually a resistor in the base of the antenna. So in a sense, these are radiating dummy loads, basically. That's uh, exactly right. Yes. And, and they are really very inefficient, particularly on the lower bands, but they're inefficient on all bands. And they are essentially a dummy load with a wire attached to it or an antenna element attached to it. So, you know, m much of the power goes into the dummy load and some of the power gets radiated just because it's there. I've actually worked people using a dummy load. <laughs> I used to have a skid with a friend in about 30 miles away on uh, ADCW. And uh, one day I was tuning up getting ready for the contact. I heard this weak signal in there and it it uh, sounded like my friend. After a while, I realized, oh, he's got his radio on the dummy load and he's practicing for our QC. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, a d dummy load itself will radiate if it's not carefully constructed and shielded, but but especially with a whip antenna. So you'll get some energy coming out of it. The, the tricky thing is that on the lower frequency bands, antennas don't need a lot of gain on receive because the atmospheric noise is the limiting factor usually, or local noise, and um, loss in the antenna system reduces both the signal and the noise. So you get a good signal to noise ratio, not as strong a signal, but you can still hear the person as well with a uh, lossy antenna, but they can't hear you as well because they, no. they, they don't make up for the other side. Well, I've heard comments like that about those particular antennas. They'll say, well, I don't have much noise, I hear people, but they will admit that the reports they're getting on the other end are not very impressive. And what I sometimes tell people is, look, these antennas, they, as we've just discussed, they can radiate if you can't put up anything else. They're a viable alternative. Not the best alternative, but they're viable if you have no alternative. Right, but... There's always an alternative. There's always an alternative. In my experience, that's yeah. been the case, yes. And I guess the tip-off here is when you look at the specs and they say they have a low SWR from 3 to 30 megahertz. <laughs> yeah. Rather than just on the <laughs> ham bands, like the half-wave verticals that we were talking about have a low SWR on the ham band, which is where you want it, because they're tuned that way to make it work. The, these things have a low SWR because they have a resistor, which has a low That's SWR right. on all frequencies, pretty much. One time years ago, we had a fake ad in QST. It was an April Fool's joke, and the ad advertised a mobile antenna that just had a dummy load at the top of a mast, and in the uh, performance features, the text read, low SWR on all bands, low noise. And it was a joke, of course, but then years later, suddenly we see these antennas being marketed that in fact really are dummy loads with radiating elements attached to them. Yeah. And, it, you know, there's some thought that went into them, and they, they do radiate a signal, and it is somewhat stronger on the 
higher frequency bands, but no, that's usually easier. It's the low frequency bands that are hard. Yes. To get an antenna in a small space. You bet. I would not recommend them. A piece of wire and an auto tuner will work better than than one of these things. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Joel. My pleasure. If you have a question for the doctor, email us at doctor at ARRL.org. The Doctor is In podcast is sponsored by DX Engineering at www.dxengineering.com. Background music provided by Purple Planet at www.purple-planet.com. This podcast is copyright ARRL. All rights are reserved. Until next time, I'm QST Managing Editor Becky Schoenfeld, W1BXY, 73, and thanks for listening.